From today's lesson, I repeat Jesus' question. When shall we buy bread that these people may eat? And Philip's answer, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. And that is the text. Poor Philip. His response to Jesus' inquiry, when shall we buy bread that these people may eat, does not make Philip look good. 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, was his response. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Jesus asked the question, our text points out, as a test, and Philip failed the test miserably. He blew it. Surely Philip had seen Jesus do miracles before the feeding of the 5,000. His memory of Jesus' power and, and goodness seemed short. Or let's be charitable. Maybe Philip's reply doesn't betray a total collapse of his intelligence and faith. Maybe he was just agreeing with Jesus. Yes, you're right, this is a crowd. We've got a problem here. And uh, he rephrases that problem in his own peculiar way. Or if we dare to assume that some of the other disciples heard Jesus' question, Philip may have tried to fill the embarrassing silence with which that question could have been met. Where was quick to speak Peter when you needed him? We know the feeling. A prof asks a question in class, nobody answers. The silence becomes increasingly uncomfortable. So to help the prof out and fill the void, you pipe up with, well, a not too intelligent answer. Whatever the case, Philip might have tried to fill a vacuum with vacuous words. Not a good idea. Maybe we can be even more charitable. When you get right down to it, there is an ironic truth in Philip's disappointing answer, an unintended truth that opens the door to the gospel that both Philip and we so desperately need. In a sense, Philip was right. Irrelevant, yes, but curiously correct. 200 penny worth of bread isn't enough. Ultimately, no amount of bread is. True, man lives by bread. It's, it's vital to our bodily life, and so we pray for it. In the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And the feeding of the 5,000 shows how abundantly Jesus answers this prayer. But as Jesus himself reminds us, man does not live by bread alone. Oh, we live by it, no question. But we can't live by it only. There is another dimension to our life than the bodily, namely the spiritual. There is another kind of life to support, another mouth to feed. You see, man is born, and for that life he needs bread. But remember, man must be born again. 
Another birth, another life is God's plan for us. And for that life, we need more than ordinary bread. For that life, even 200 pennyworth of ordinary bread is not sufficient. No, for that life, let's call it spiritual life or the life of God, for that life, we need the bread of life. What is the bread of life? Jesus tells us in this very same context, I, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I give will be my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. In a sense, Jesus confirms Philip's accidental profundity. He says later, in this very same chapter, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father, my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Two hundred pennyworth of Moses' bread is not sufficient. Moses' bread is okay for bodily life, yes. But for our spiritual life, we need Jesus, the bread of life. So, what's the moral? Suppose we answer that with a paraphrase of another of Jesus' sayings. Therefore, labor not for the bread which perishes, but rather labor for that bread which endures unto everlasting life. Think of the implications of this directive for our church and chapel attendance, for our private devotional life, and for our use of the sacraments. So thanks to Philip this morning for his unsatisfactory answer. Once again, it appears that all scripture, every scripture, is profitable. Profitable for doctrine, as this morning, uh, for reproof, for correction, and uh, for instruction in righteousness. We rise for prayer.